We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, we are officially in draft season now. Uh, like, this week is a huge week upcoming. We've got the Senior Bowl is getting started for next weekend. We have the Shrine Game, which is what we're going to be talking about specifically this evening. First and foremost, dude, how are you doing this evening on a wonderful Friday night? I mean, I'm doing doing pretty good. I would be doing a lot better if, you know, we didn't get uh, certain coaching hire news that we got. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. going to make AFC yeah. West a little bit tougher. But I'm doing good getting ready for the busy week and a half that's coming up because of the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl that we have next week. We're going to be diving into the Senior Bowl. We're going to be talking a lot about the prospects there. Um, I'm excited because I got set up with virtual credentials for the Shrine game, so I'm going to be able to watch you know, the practices back and get a good take on these guys. But one thing that I like about the Shrine game, before we really get into the conversation, is it's, it always gets a little overlooked. You know, the Senior Bowl, that's the bi- that's the big game. But there's always, every year, there's a couple guys out of the Shrine game that really just stand out, blow them away, and then go on to be the NFL. When it's really, for years, the Shrine game has been about, you know, establishing guys who can be, you know, those sleeper-type picks. Um, So I'm excited for it. They're starting to get some big-name prospects in it. They have a couple of them that could hear their name called in the first round, if not top 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be an interesting week, and I'm excited to, you know, be able to watch the practice tape. But I think before we get to that, I think, you know, the two coaching hires that are made, let's let's get into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, I, my thoughts about Jim, uh, whichever Harbaugh is, I can never keep them straight. <laughs> that signed with the Jim Chargers. That, that's a little concerning, getting him paired mm-hmm. with that, because, like, he has a pretty good track record of quickly turning things around. And Antonio Pierce for the Raiders, I mean, with what he was able to do with them and that defense and everything, like, it's – I'm not laughing at at the hire because we saw what happened. The question mm-hmm. is, is that the interim bump that he get, got from them or is it, like, legit ability as a coach and he's going to keep them being, you know, 
playing at this well above their level. Yeah, exactly. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here really fast. The Ronk jumping in here from Tucson saying, good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Go Broncos. Go Michael. Thank you very much for joining us as per usual here on a great Friday evening. Now, Eric, I, I want to address Antonio Pierce first and foremost, because I think that the Raiders are really kind of trying to emulate what the Detroit Lions were doing over there with Dan Campbell, bringing in a former player, a guy that has a lot of connections, a guy that has been through the league for a long time. Um, not necessarily the, the greatest player uh, at the tight end position. He played for the New Orleans Saints as a, as a big Sean Payton disciple uh, over there in Detroit. But Antonio Pierce, one of the best linebackers that we've seen, um, I don't want to say in NFL history, but a very high quality player there for a long time with the New York Giants. Uh, he's he's starting to kind of bring in the, the more of, I don't want to say analytical, but the, the, the former player aspect of everything, bringing in, uh, it sounds like he wants to bring in former players to be a part of his coaching staff for the most part. What do you think of that in particular for the Raiders moving forward? Well, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go and going with former players who've been through it, who've been through the, how grueling training camps can be. They tend to have a little bit of an easier way to communicate with players and get and, you know, handle their feedback and stuff like that. They have, you know, not I don't want to say less of an ego, but they, it's not a whole lot of my way or the highway type mentality when you get former players as coaches, as you see with a lot of guys who like. Maybe they played were in the NFL for a year or two, but they didn't have those lengthy careers. Um, we, they tend to have more of that, you know, my way or the highway type attitude. Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, it's a it's a good hire. I like it. And when you have your star, some of your best players, two of your that your two best players on a team, basically saying this guy needs to be the head coach or else we want out of here. Like it's kind of forcing the hand of the ownership. Mm -hmm. But even then, the what he was able to do last year, I don't. I, that defensive turnaround, like everybody talks about the Broncos um, defensive turnaround, that which was so boosted by turnovers, they legit improved in every aspect yes. after Josh McDaniels was fired and Antonio Pierce took over. And it wasn't boosted because of turnovers. They legit improved and became a somewhat formidable, if not pretty formidable defense. And mm -hmm. offensively, they still had the issues because of how much they are being held back by the quarterback position. And they're in a chance, they're in a spot this year where they can go and take a shot on one of these early quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah, man. I, I, like, I've seen a lot of love for J.J. McCarthy down there in Las Vegas. I've seen a, a lot of people saying, you know, Bo Nix might be a guy. Uh, it depends on what actually happens with the rest of this coaching staff for this Raiders team. But you bring yeah. up a big point here. It, it It is a huge thing to watch the defensive turnaround in terms of just being assignment sound, understanding what they are supposed to be doing within the scheme. Uh, Patrick Graham did a great job continuing to work with Antonio Pierce down there as well. And like you said, they turned into a formidable defense. They were one of the better run defenses down the stretch and it was a huge game against the Denver Broncos in week 18 where they held the Broncos I believe below 100 rushing yards total in that game uh Lawrence Rivera jumping in here saying there's been a lot of small coaching change around the AFC and the Chargers too let's flip over the Chargers side of the conversation here because you, you brought it up quickly Jim Harbaugh obviously with the Los Angeles Chargers he's now paired up with Justin Herbert what does that mean specifically in terms of the, let's just call it the coaching tier of the AFC West. Obviously, Andy Reid is probably the best overall head coach in the NFL remaining now that Bill Belichick is out of a job. Um, you got Patrick Mahomes there. 
Sean Payton in Denver is a quality head coach, but Jim Harbaugh, man, we're talking 171 and like 80, uh, 171 wins, 80 total career losses, and one tie over the course of his NFL and collegiate coaching career. We're talking a guy that comes in and just knows how to win. What does that mean for the Broncos and the rest of this AFC West right now? Well, when you look at the Chargers and their issues, their issues was they lacked discipline and consistency on defense, and mm-hmm. they lacked a running game. What does Harbaugh do well? He finds consistency and discipline on defense, and he establishes a run game. And he has a quarterback that he can build all that off of. They are a team that can they, – they need a lot of pieces, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But this is a team that is in a good position to have a rapid turnaround from where they had – what they were this year to next year when you get a coach who is a bit more stable like Jim Harbaugh is – John Harbaugh, whichever Harbaugh it is. I'm going to call them the <laughs> wrong thing every single time. Um, when, it, when you have Harbaugh in there and with how disciplined he just he, – he preaches discipline. Mm-hmm. It's one of the big things. That's why college players love to work with him is that he's – it's all about discipline. And pretty consistently, Michigan players have some really good technique out because he hires coaches who are really adept at teaching the techniques that they need to be mm-hmm. successful at the collegiate level. So – it is a definitely a tough group of coaches in the AFC West. All three of them could, or all four of them could easily see, you know, improvements from their team next year with certain additions and just having that extra time or, you know, the job full time or whatever the case may be, or just the drastic raising of the bar from what you get from going from Brandon Staley as a coach to Harbaugh. Like all four of these teams could be really tough teams to play next year. Yeah, man. And let's talk quickly just about the physicality. We got an ad read coming up here in just a minute. Got to give a shout out to our love and love and support to uh, Little Caesars. But just quickly, I want to ask you this quick question. Physicality with the Chargers defense specifically was a big issue for them. They they lacked strength in the running game. Uh, one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL this season. Uh, talk about what Jim Harbaugh brings in terms of that physical mindset disp- uh, defensively and also in the running game. Well, I mean, when you watch Michigan, when you watch the 49ers, they were they are physical teams. You got to be physical. You got to win in the trenches. That's a big thing for him. Um, San Francisco, they had one of the during his time, they had a really good group up front. They were physical and they flew to the ball and they rallied to the ball even at during his time at Michigan. They were physical, they flew to the ball. And so that is very easy to bring over and translate at any level of football. Just the Chargers, they just got to add a little bit more talent and, you know, of course, got to stay healthy, too. They have some mm-hmm. talent in that defensive front, but they've just had had issues staying on the field. Yeah, and that, that's that's a big thing, obviously, with Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack had some issues there as well, um, issues in the secondary. That's such a fun conversation to have, but we need to switch this conversation forward a little bit. Let's give a shout out quickly here to our first sponsor for this evening, our friends over at Little Caesars Pizza. So make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. You know, when you talk about iconic foods for game days, there's all these things. There's chicken wings, there's nachos, all this stuff. But pizza is one of the, you know, it's one of my go-tos. Anytime I do a big thing for football, pizza is always the first thing. You can order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. You can choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. 
Yeah, guys, I, I'm telling you, the $5 hot and ready's that's the way to go. Uh, their quick pepperoni pizzas are awesome. We love the deep, deep dish here in the Sanderson household. The crazy bread and their cheesy bread, it's all it's always great. It's always easy. It's always hot. It's always ready for you guys. So speaking of winning, guys, everyone scores with convenient delivery in our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices. During the games this weekend, we have NFL Championship football, the AFC championship game, the NFC championship game coming up here on Sunday afternoon. So thank you, pizza, uh, excuse me, Little Caesars Pizza for We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us this evening, we always appreciate your support. Now, Eric, i uh, got a couple of a uh, couple of quick comments jumping in here. We've got Phil McLaughlin jumping in here on Facebook, throwing some stars around as he is want to do usually on a Friday evening. Good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. So are we now going to be last in the AFC West? It's really scary to me. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag go Broncos. Eric, um, going back to the, the coaching conversation just quickly here, where do the Broncos line up right now in terms of just the, the coaching staffs that they currently have right now, the head coaching staffs? How would you rank the coaches here in the AFC West right now? Um, so ju- just the head coaches, obviously, since we don't have coordinators for a couple of them, um, a couple of coordinators filled out. And- we don't know that maybe the Chiefs, depending on how the rest of the season or the playoffs go, maybe they potentially make some changes with internally, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So head coaches, I mean, Andy Reid, he's there at the top. I, I mean, with what he has. And, it, I mean, he's just a bright play caller, Has comes up with some bright plays. Doesn't always execute properly out on the field, but he often gets his t- the right calls out there. And then I would probably I'd probably go Harbaugh's next, but it's really close between Harbaugh and Peyton. Um, Peyton's a great play caller. Uh, the reason why I have Harbaugh a little bit more is that he tends to he he's involved knows a little bit of everything. He helps out on special teams, does well there, help, can help out on the defense, and help brings a lot of value there. Helps out on offense, whereas Sean Peyton throughout his career has typically been more on the offensive side of the ball, um, which can you know 
hurt a little bit as a head coach. Not that he's a bad coach by any means, but being a little one-sided can can be an issue. It isn't always. Um, in this case, it just puts him as a third, and it's tough. Like it's really close between Harbaugh and Peyton. Mm-hmm. Either way you want to put them, like I get it. Um, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about either way. And then Antonio Pierce, just because despite the job that he did, there's still so much uncertainty about him being mm-hmm. a full-time head coach. Yeah, and, and understanding the plan that he wants to bring in to the Las Vegas Raiders, understanding you know the, the coaching hire. We we still have yet to like see exactly what the staff is going to look like moving forward. Don't really have a, a crystal clear plan for the Raiders either. So. It's still going to take some time to kind of round out the coaching staffs in general. I think I agree with you for the most part. Obviously, Andy Reid being to, you know, six straight AFC championship games. They play again uh, on the road against the Baltimore Ravens for the first time. They hosted five straight there in Kansas City. But going against the Ravens uh, this week is going to be a tough test for those guys. You don't get to the six straight AFC championship games without elite quarterback play and also elite coaching. So Reid is definitely the, the guy there. We could split hairs with Harbaugh and uh, Sean Payton as well, but I do believe that uh, Antonio Pierce, until we see a little bit more out of him, he is easily the the worst coach. And that's not to like disparage his name by any stretch of the imagination here. He's just not to the level of guys that have been to the mountaintop in the NFL, um, whether they won the game or not. Harbaugh's been to a Super Bowl. That's just a plain and simple fact. So uh, Rock Chalk Broncos jumping in here. Rock Chalk, it's good to see you in the, in the chat tonight. Thank you for joining us off the top rope with this $20 super chat. Uh, if the Broncos don't go quarterback in round one what do you think of michael pratt later on the quarterback out of tulane uh what are the biggest things you want to see from him during the senior bowl to answer any questions regarding his abilities hashtag mhh for life hashtag denver broncos for life now eric uh we're, we're gonna be talking about shrine bowl tonight but we got rock chalk in here big time yep. donator to the show here Michael Pratt, man, I watched him a little bit. I think he's a better athlete than you do for the most part, but this is a developmental quarterback. What do you think of Michael Pratt out of Tulane? Well, I mean, the offensive line coach there at Tulane, you know, was the offensive line coach for Sean Payton for many years there with the Saints. So that connection can obviously be used to get some inside information or extra information on Michael Pratt. Um, Yeah, to me, he's not – it's not that he's not athletic. He's not a great athlete. He's just, mm-hmm. he's just fine. He's not going to be a major threat with his legs, but he can move around and extend plays if needed. But he's definitely more comfortable working in the pocket. He can work the middle of the field, which is obviously something that the Broncos are going to be looking for. Um, very developmental. He's smart, has a high football IQ. Um, absolutely praised for the intelligence that he brings to the game and the way he sees it. Um, had one person describe him as he's one of those guys that you talk about if he don't work, doesn't work as a player you're going to have a bright future as a coach. Um, he, he's His arm's not the best, but it's not bad. It's good enough for the NFL. He can make the throws needed. Um, the n- nose of the ball doesn't dip without, with, you know, with the, due to a lack of velocity on those, you know, 20 yard or 10 yard outs or um, to the far side of the field. So there, there's a lot to work with development, the guy, but I think that if you're forced to in, like with the Bronco situation, if it comes down to a quarterback battle between him, um, Jared Stidham and somebody else, um, say Jamie's Winston or um, Sam Darnold or somebody like that. He's good. He with where he's at as a player now doesn't keep him from potentially being the starter. He can sit there and actually compete with those guys to be the starter for the Broncos. If that was the way they went this next season. 
Yeah. So is there upside for him to potentially be a starter at the NFL level? Or do you think that he's just going to be kind of one of those guys that bounces around the league, like a, like a Chase Daniel, for example, a guy that is going to be one of those guys that can hold a clipboard, step in and be a spot starter for you? Or do you think that he can actually turn into a guy um, and and really kind of help run a franchise? So when you talk about quarterbacks, to me, there's multiple different tiers that you go off. He's not I don't think he's ever going to be that unless, you know, barring a major shock. I don't think he's ever going to be that franchise quarterback, the guy that you're more than comfortable with. But I do think it can be a decent enough starter to, you know, for a season or two while you go and build up the roster and get out or get out of a bad cap situation or whatever the case may be. But you also are looking for an upgrade mm -hmm. um, still over him, somebody who can be that franchise quarterback um, and someone that you don't want to commit a lot of money to long term because hey, he's fine as a starter, but he's not great. He's not good. He's just, he's just fine. Um, to me, he's that. So he's more of like a very low-end starter, but a very high-end backup for his ceiling anyways. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. So kind of like a little bit Davis Millsy, a guy that you can come in to develop for a little while. He can step in, be a spot starter for you if you need him to be, but a guy that's going to be kind of just holding together the quarterback room in general for, for more or less. Uh, speaking about quarterbacks, guys, we are talking about this, the Shrine game, the East-West Shrine game this week. Uh, there's obviously uh, quarterbacks coach of the Denver Broncos, Davis Webb. I believe he's coaching the West team, if I if I do remember correctly. Um, he's going to be working closely with a bunch of these quarterbacks. And now, Eric, I got a, a handful of questions here about the, the Shrine game. I'm not necessarily as deep into these these prospects as you are, but based on what we know of Sean Payton's offensive scheme, uh, one that's predicated on like timing, accuracy, anticipation, working the middle of the field, which of these Shrine Bowl quarterbacks project as the best fit as a developmental prospect for the Broncos? So yeah, Davis will be talking about him because it, this is very worth mentioning. Um, he is the offensive coordinator for one of the teams and i believe it is the west um so that's going to give him a lot of insight into these guys and these quarterbacks unfortunately when you look at the shrine game west's quarterbacks it is a bit more lackluster than the east than the east roster is so on the on the west you have keaton slovis who yeah i'm all the way out on you got john Riss plumley who i'm all the way out on tula tungle to tulia tungle veloa no thanks. Jason Bean. Don't, I don't know much about Jason Bean, if anything at all. Um, so he, he's not getting the good quarterbacks to work with because the two developmental guys who I do like that are at the Shrine game that do interest me, um, Devin Leary. I mean, this guy has an arm. He's a pretty solid athlete. Just the mechanics just need to be built up. He's a guy that I'm looking at later day three, round six, maybe late round five as a guy that, you know, you're probably going to sit on the practice squad for a year, maybe be quarterback three if he can win the job and you just try to work with and develop a little bit, improve the mechanics and all that. And then there's Austin Reed who took over at Western Kentucky for ba uh, Bailey Zappi. Air raid, spread it out, just sling the ball over the place and move the ball downfield uh, for his offense. So he's a guy that can he work in a more NFL type offense uh, than what he worked at at Western Kentucky. And this is going to be a good chance for him to show if he can or can't um, do that. And again, it's unfortunate that both those guys are on the East roster. So Davis Webb won't be able to be, won't be working with them directly. 
Yeah, that that's that's kind of unfortunate. There's another player at the uh, at the Shrine game I want to get to here in just a couple of minutes, but we got to get another quick shout out to uh, an, our second sponsor for this evening's show, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. This time of year, guys, everyone's looking to revamp their eating habits. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome, health-forward options like the over 30 calorie smart and protein smart recipes each week. They say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and HelloFresh agrees. In fact, they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. That means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. Now that's worth waking up early for. It's time to go with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash HuddleFree and use code HuddleFree huddle for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash HuddleFree with code HuddleFree. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, thank you, HelloFresh, for joining us this, this evening. We definitely appreciate your guys' support. Now, back to our ongoing quarterback conversation. The guy that is probably the most intriguing player at the Shrine game this week is Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, who, if you guys know anything about what happened with the college football playoff, obviously Jordan Travis broke his ankle late in the season, and Florida State had to play their backup quarterback, had him get hurt, went to a third-string quarterback, a true freshman in there. I do not remember his name. But Jordan Travis is going to be at the Shrine game doing some interviews and just kind of talking through. Now, Eric, with Jordan Travis, something that I noticed with him, he's a quality athlete. He can run the football with his legs. But in terms of playing the quarterback position and throwing the football, something I noticed while watching him was that he likes to take a lot of chances. And he had a couple of big, tall, big-body contested catch receivers in Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. And he really took chances over the middle of the field and let those guys go and make plays for him and just kind of keep that offense for Florida State moving forward. With Jordan Travis specifically, is that something that can translate moving forward at the NFL level? To a degree, yes. But the big thing that I was always, I just didn't see consistently enough with Jordan Travis when I watched him from this year before he got hurt is you really want your quarterbacks to throw receivers open. Mm -hmm. And that is something that he struggles with. The contested catches, it's a good thing his receivers were so great at making them, especially Keon Coleman. He's one of those guys that can turn 50-50 balls into basically 90-10 balls. Um, so he did a good job, and the placement from Travis was all over the place, and it can create issues 
when you work the middle of the field, when you work even the shorter, shallow routes where things get muddied up a little bit with coverages when you get into the, the red zone and the field is condensed, the, the placement needs to be up there. And it's not with Jordan Travis, it's not a much of a mechanical thing because even when he has me, me, the mechanics that are, I mean, they need work, but when he plays with clean enough mechanics, it still leads to a poor placement a lot of the time. So there's still stuff that has to be worked on there. And it's just, it's a question if he can ever get the placement fully down. Mm-hmm. So it, it translates to a degree, especially if you have those type of receivers that can, you know, again, turn those 50-50 balls into 90-10 balls. Um, but outside of that, it's very hard to consistently rely on that to move the ball down the field. Right. So let's let's go a little bit into his arm talent a little bit, because there was something that I noticed. It doesn't seem like he has the like pop off the screen velocity with the ball going across the middle of the field and fitting stuff into tight windows. Is that something that's going to hamper him at the, the NFL level as well? It definitely, it definitely can. I mean, each prospect is, uh, is different and it obviously depends on how the offense is willing to work around him. But whenever you get to situations like, or to aspects about a quarterback play like that, it is always something that can easily hinder a quarterback when it comes to the NFL with how quickly windows can open and close and the, the adjustment of speed that they have to make. So that that's why it can become such an issue at the next level. Right. Um, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And I, I definitely agree with that. Now, it just quickly here, before his injury, where would you have, like, if you were to put a, a draft grade on him, obviously you haven't finalized anything in terms of where you would, uh, like, slot these quarterbacks in terms of an, an overall order. But if you were um, the one, not necessarily pulling the strings, but if you had to, to place a, a round grade on him based on his tape, where would that be? So based on his tape, alone it would probably be day three which is really disappointing because coming into the season there was a lot of maybe he can crack not first round but he could crack you know top 75 Mm -hmm. he just needed to show a lot of growth and development we didn't see that and so he was a day three guy that could rise up a little bit but he didn't rise up so it would still be day three but with the injury he's a guy that i wouldn't be looking i wouldn't use a draft pick on personally yeah, it, right now it's so hard. You, you and the the combine is going to be the the big part here. Is he going to be able to participate in the combine? I'm not sure. I know that he had surgery on that ankle to repair. I, I don't necessarily exactly know the entire extent of his injury, whether it was a dislocated or broken ankle. If he if he broke a a part of his leg or something like that, I don't. I tried to look for it, but I couldn't find an official diagnosis. I do know that he had surgery, so uh, it's going to be a little while before he's going to be fully able to come back and participate but the combine is going to be the big thing here because you brought it up to me i was going to ask you about it you know what are the medical checks the shrine bowl going to do with him um whiteboard sessions stuff like that we're not going to see that with him uh at the shrine bowl so going to the combine is going to be a lot better gauge of where he's at as a prospect if he can participate and and throw the football that would definitely help his draft stock for the most part but uh Unfortunate story with Jordan Travis. I, I definitely feel for the guy. Hopefully he can come back from that and, and just continue his uh, his uh, football playing career and become a, a high-quality developmental player because I think that the tools are there. He's got enough athleticism. He's got enough arm talent that he can make it work. But for the most part, until we can find out the extent of his injuries and the, the rehab and recovery from that, um, we really can't give a, a true – 
forecast for what his uh, for his draft stock, at least at this particular point. Uh, let's pivot just a little bit here. Uh, the Broncos have lacked a truly dynamic weapon at the tight end position for several years now. Uh, last week, you mentioned JT Sanders, uh, the tight end out of Texas, who's at the Shrine Bowl this week as a possible trade down target, a guy that's uh, probably going to be a top 50 player, uh, might end up in, in the first round in terms of if he can test well uh, athletically. But I'm curious your thoughts on CSU Ram tight end Dallin Holker as a possible mid-round option that has decent vertical ability as a pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting one because he's small. He only plays about 230 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's gonna, he's most likely going to be a more of a fullback in the NFL instead of a true tight end. But he can, there is, the, you brought up the vertical ability and there's decent enough route running ability that you know with additional development he might be able to work out of the slot as well and just create some create some mismatches so not so much an inline tight end your traditional tight end um but you know he still can have a little bit of a versatile role uh within an offense um one of the cool stats about him is that he never had a he always never had a game this last season where he didn't have a play of at least 12 yards um had a so had some really big plays mm-hmm. really fun to watch um but just because of his his size and having to really you know not necessarily to kind of get cre- have to get creative with how you can use him because he's not a traditional tight end um and it makes it a little bit more difficult he's a guy that I would probably be a uh, probably be a somebody that will look at day 3 probably like around the 5th or 6th round just to as a developmental guide to add a little bit of receiving ability potentially in certain packages in certain situations. Yeah. Is he a guy that you could potentially throw out there in terms of like the, the, the short red area, uh, say the, the 30 yard line and in with that, uh, with the vertical ability that he does have, because as a straight line athlete, he seems to have at least enough goods to kind of put stress on defenses and safeties over the middle of the field. Yeah, you can definitely use them up to work the seam a little bit and create some space for something underneath. But one of the ways that you can use them is the the blocking is fine. It's not block. It's not good enough to be a consistent inline tight end. But you can throw them out in the slot and you can get an improvement. You know, blocking from there than what the Broncos got from the slot this past season, anyways. Mm-hmm. So you, there's still that versatility. To use them. You can use them to stretch the field a little bit. Um, again, create that extra space to work underneath. And he's tough, and he he's willing to work over the middle of the field as well, um, which also can fit with what Peyton wants to do. And, you know, Peyton has made it work with guys who, with tight ends who aren't much of a blocker because he moves them around, uses them to create uh, favorable matchups. And Volker mm-hmm. can be, with some growth and development, can potentially be like that type of tight end. Yeah, it, so... You're absolutely correct in what what Sean Payton likes to use with his tight ends. Obviously, Jimmy Graham had a long and successful career there as a guy that you could throw him in line if you absolutely needed to, but he was more of your slot tight end, a big body guy that could go out and and catch passes. Uh, Had Jeremy Shockey there for a little while, Uh, Jared uh, Jared Cook as well. Dallin Holker is a, is a guy that you could kind of use in that particular area. I want to go a little bit just more over with the the rest of these guys at the Shrine game, and I'm not sure exactly how much of these guys you've actually seen, but something that is, is just kind of a, a fun coincidence here. If you look at the remaining teams in, in the playoffs right now, all four of these guys have tight ends that are performing at a high level that were drafted on day two and day three of the NFL draft. Obviously, you've got Sam Laporta, who was, a I believe, a third-round pick, Travis Kelsey, a third-round pick, 
Uh, Isaiah Likely was a fourth or fifth round pick. George Kittle famously was drafted in the fifth round right after the Broncos uh, selected Jake Butt in, in, I believe, 2017 when they were drafted together. Uh, is there anybody at the Shrine game right now? Is it a middle, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round guy that you would be willing to, to pin your hat on as a, a developmental player that could turn into something special as a starter? You also forgot Mark Andrews, who was a third round yeah, pick, who was activated yep, for the Ravens today. Yep. Um, but as for your question, no. Like, I will go uh, on record outside of like a handful of tight ends, four, maybe five tight ends. I absolutely hate this class. Mm-hmm. And I think all those tight ends should be gone before pick pick 100. I mean, if you're taking somebody day three in to, to me, it's a waste of a pick. Um, just get pick up somebody uh, as an undrafted free agent um and see what they can see what they can do i do not this is not a good class um there's a lot of limitations with a lot of the players in this class uh maybe my opinion will change as i do more work on these tight ends but i just got an article in about 10 tight ends in it not ca- including brock bowers or jt sanders two of my two top two guys at the position mm-hmm. um but I, so it's been doing a lot of work on them and i just it's it's always a disappointing because tight ends are one of my favorite positions to scout, um, and I just come away disappointed with each of these guys that I've been watching over the past couple of days. Yeah, I, I haven't done a whole lot in terms of like obviously Brock Bowers is the cream of the crop of this class. There's people saying that he could potentially be a top ten pick. There's also a potential possibility depending on how the the first round falls out. You know, three maybe four quarterbacks go in the top ten. Three wide receivers, couple offensive linemen maybe Brock Bowers does fall to the Denver Broncos at number 12 overall. So this is my last question here on the tight end class. If Brock Bowers is there at number 12 overall, um, would you rather take him at 12 or would you want to trade back and maybe grab a guy like JT Sanders uh, in the tail end of the the first round or maybe even get him at the top of the second round? It really depends on what that offer is to get to move down because Brock Bowers receiving tight end can create mess matches but he's a decent enough blocker that you can work with him in line. You can work with him in the slot. He is, he's more of an offensive weapon that can be used in so many ways. And that brings a lot of extra value to it. Um, even though the position of tight end is so, so undervalued in the NFL nowadays. So what am I getting to move back down to where I'm going with to switching to JT Sanders, who brings that receiving ability is probably a slightly better receiving prospect than brock bowers is not much but slightly better but doesn't have that blocking he's not a guy that you can have in there working in line he is strictly a slot boundary backfield option where you're not going to be having a block because he is a liability essentially as a blocker so that value there really depends on how far back am i dropping what am i getting to give up on to me one of the better tight end prospects in recent years Mm -hmm. to one a really good receiving tight end who doesn't bring a whole lot more to the to the uh, to the offense right you just actually answered my uh my follow-up question here is if if you would be willing to take brock bowers at 12 uh calling him one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in recent years pretty much answers that question for the most part uh phil mclaughlin jumping in here did you guys have any information on McAllister in last year's draft um I'm I'm not sure what McAllister we're talking. Eric, do you have anything here? Phil, jump um, back in. 
and and give us a give us another name here uh McAllister, i'm i'm not sure thank you for the support uh would love to answer your question, but I'm not sure where you're going here in, in this particular uh, instance on that. Patrick, it's your birthday today. Happy uh, birthday, uh, my uh, dude. Uh, Patrick Wilty, it's it's your birthday today. Happy birthday, Patrick Wilty. Man, we'd sing you, you happy so much birthday, but going. we don't want to make you go deaf. Uh, that would be a bad idea. You really don't want me to uh, to start singing. Uh, Scott jumping in and say they just signed a guy named McAllister to a futures contract. Um, Eric, I'm going to uh, kind of transition off this. If you want to take a look at that really quickly, um, I'll, I'll get us going on our our next particular topic of conversation here. Guys, if you have any questions about players at the Shrine Bowl, please get them in. Uh, Super Chat, Stars Donations, there's a great way to, to um, get to get those questions answered. Uh, if you have anything that you want to bounce off of us, let us know. We'll definitely get as many comments as we possibly can uh, as the show continues to move forward. But, um, yeah, if you guys have any questions for us, we, we would definitely love to answer those guys. Now, Eric, uh, quickly here. Uh, the Broncos have been rumored to move on from Jerry Judy for what's seemingly has been like two years now. Like he's one of the most controversial players in terms of effort on the field, uh, a guy that's been um, just inconsistent for the, the the majority of his time here in Denver. And it, it appears like this, this year is going to be the, the way that he's going to leave. Like he's going to be either released or traded more likely traded because that fifth year option is guaranteed for next season. But going back to the shrine game here, which one, one of these receivers stands out to you as a possible replacement in terms of a slot receiver that works well in space, has explosiveness with the ball in his hands, and you can just kind of line up all over the place and all over the field and create a bunch of mismatches uh, against opposing defenses. Well, before I get to that, I want to go back because I had some time to look it up. Tanner McAllister, he was a safety at Ohio State last year, and I did actually get a write-up of it. Um, and I'll read a little bit. He's a pretty decent athlete, has some good long speed and explosion. He there's versatility to work him around in the backfield a little bit, can play this, uh, can play in the nickel. He can work as a single high a little bit, definitely too high, has good range. He's was pretty quick to read plays and in and trigger downhill for them. His size and length isn't ideal for the NFL, though, which can be you know a little bit, um, a bit, a little bit rough when it comes to playing on the field. But safety, it's one of the positions where there are plenty of tricks in the trade to make up for not having that ideal length that you teams typically look for. So it's not as big of an impact as it is with other positions. His angles are a little bit rough when he does trigger downhill, and um, his tackling was fairly hit or miss as well. Um, so as a guy for on a futures contract, I think it is a a pretty solid signing for to uh, to figure out. Um, to see if he can develop as for wide receivers and replacing somebody that can work in the slot. There are in the shrine game. There are a few receivers that are very interesting to me. Uh, the issue is, is that a lot of them are going to overlap with what Marvin Mims brings to the brings to the field um, mm -hmm. because there a lot of them are a little bit smaller and more explosive guys. But one that really stood out was Isaiah Williams out of Illinois, yeah. who mm -hmm. I think that he is a little bit smaller but he's built differently than Marvin Mims. He's built a little bit thicker and he's not just, he, he's not that same mold. You can definitely use them in different ways. And while there can be some overlap there, you can switch it up enough between the two that you can keep defenses guessing a little bit and use that as an advantage to like on um, certain route combinations of baiting safeties to drop down, opening the other one to hit, uh, to attack the seam or attack vertically. 
and keep switching that up. So he's probably the one that stands out the most um, as somebody to potentially fill that uh, fill that void. Yeah, man. I watched a lot of Isaiah Williams earlier today, watched some highlight tapes, got a chance to check out the, the game against Indiana. And something that I noticed that's, uh, I don't want to say a stark contrast to what uh, Marvin Mims brings because Mims is, is an elite level athlete. Like this dude is, he can fly. But he's more linear, in my opinion. He's a guy that's going to be a, like we're trying to get, run straight line speed, get him to top speed more than like a jitterbug player. Isaiah Williams was a guy that uh, at Illinois they threw him a bunch of quick screens. They got the ball in his hands quickly. They 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 really like to rely on him using his lateral agility, his first step explosiveness, and he's really slippery in terms of a player with the football in his hands. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the contrast between those two in terms of how you can utilize them on this on the field at the same time to create different kind of mismatches even though they still have kind of the same burner speed ath- uh, athleticism aspect to their game so give me one second i was trying to pull up a stat that i saw <laughs> when i was watching williams earlier and i am having serious issues typing out his name <laughs> it, it, it's all good dude it, it, so there was uh at, at one point i believe earlier this season he led all of college football in terms of yards after the catch i believe that there was a stat that i heard while listening to the indiana broadcast this dude is just explosive with the ball in his hands guys he's so fun to watch he's slippery he he can break tackles he, he's compact for a guy that is um, as small as he is, he's got a thicker lower body. He runs through a lot of tackles. He does a really good job of um, just, I don't know, the, the like creating difficult angles and uh, opening lanes for him to kind of squeak through and just advance the football with his hands, man. He's, he's a very fun player to watch. Yeah, he could definitely, he can still work the deeper part of the field. But Mims is definitely more adapt to that, which is kind of where that is that slight overlap, but helps you work them in different ways. Isaiah Williams, man, he catching those shorter passes, you know, quick screens or not uh, quicker slants that get him, you know, when he's get has off coverage, he can go and pick up 10 to 15 yards after the catch. After that, he does so well picking up yards at the catch. He makes people he can make people miss. And as you talked about, he is a little bit thicker built and he plays about 190 pounds at five foot 10 five foot 11 um he he can take some hard hits he can work the middle of the field something that he did quite a bit Mm -hmm. at illinois i mean he had 25 catches on 35 targets at illinois um so he's not afraid he has that toughness to bring to it but there again there's enough of that vertical ability with him and enough of that underneath ability with mims that you can cross it off you can set up a screen for one of them and have the and try to you know, bait the defense to come down and have that screen. And if you have a gut, if you really have a gutsy call, you can go and throw the deep ball instead if, you know, the coverage works out that way, or you still have the screen. So that is, again, a little bit overlapping skill sets, but enough difference that you can use them in a variety of ways and still have them work well together to be creative with your passing concepts. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the outside of the wide receiver room just a little bit here, because another player that the Broncos have been rumored to be like dangling out there as a trade piece, a player that uh, is one of the fan favorites here. He's a leader in the locker room. Cortland Sutton is a guy that we all know mostly as one of those contested catch guys. Like he's a a big body player that likes to go up and turn those, you know, 50, 50 balls into 70, 30 balls or even 80, 20 balls. He's uh, had a tremendous season doing this, uh, doing that this last season. 
But in the Sean Payton offense, in terms of attacking the middle of the field, he wants a guy that's more reliable in terms of a route runner, a big body possession type. And this last season, that role was kind of carved out for Tim Patrick, who we all know tore his Achilles in training camp. Uh, you have a, a, a couple of articles here breaking down some of these players, just kind of introducing everybody here. And you were talking about um, the, the wide receiver out of Michigan. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, kind of a bigger body guy, uh, works well over the middle of the field, Is a, a, can a, kind of attack you from multiple different angles. Is he a fit for that role for this Broncos team? He could be, but you really have to develop his hands. He's got the toughness to work the middle of the field, which if you're any receiver who's going to be your your predominant middle of the field guy, they have to be tough. They have, you, you know you're going to get hit. You have to be tough. You have to stay focused, and you have to have – pretty consistent hands you can't have the ball go sailing through your hands because that's just an interception waiting to happen he was used that way pretty well at michigan but the hands were inconsistent working the middle of the field between the hash marks he had like five drops i think this last season mm -hmm. um one of which i know one of which was almost intercepted but ended up being dropped by the defender because it's just sailed through his hands um, that is something that you have to definitely be cautious of. There are a couple other guys in this class that I do think that can fit that. You have Tejon Palmer out of UAB. He's reliable. He's tough. His hands are consistent enough to work the middle of the field where you don't have to sit there and, you know, kind of hold your breath a little bit if it's going to get intercepted by going through his hands. Uh, Joshua Cephas out of UTSA. He's tall. He's a little bit lanky. Um, and he can be a, a lot more than just that middle of the field guy. He can stretch the field a little bit but he's tough when working over the field. Jackson Janke out of South Dakota State. Um, he's another guy. His brother is more of a boundary guy, and he can work the middle of the field a little bit and work underneath. And then Bub Means out of Pittsburgh. I mean, he's a guy that – he's probably one of the bigger guys here at the Shrine game that I'd be looking at to fill that kind of role. Yeah. So uh, Bub Memes, it's a player I'm not necessarily familiar with. I watched the the Jackson and Jaden Yonke players, um, the uh, South Dakota State guys, in the uh, national championship game against my Montana Grizzlies a, a, a couple of weeks ago. And those dudes were just ridiculous. It, not necessarily like – eye-popping numbers. I believe Jackson had uh, four catches for 66 yards. Jaden had six catches for 55 yards, but they were just reliable. They were all over the place. Those two players are so much fun to watch and working in conjunction with each other and kind of building off their skill sets. But memes, man, I'm not familiar with this name in particular. Where would you have him? You said that he was a guy that was like more high profile in terms of the players at the Shrine game. Uh, where would you have him in terms of draft stock? Um. Sorry if I misspoke. He's not really high profile. He's definitely one that's probably day three. Okay. Um, he's just the, probably one of the guys that's best fitting for this role. He's got a thick build on a, his six foot two, six foot three frame, and he really thrived working in the middle of the field. Um, depending on how much stock you put in pro, pro football focus grades, which I personally don't put a lot of uh, into their grades, but their advanced stats and stuff like that, I, I do. Um, 84.2 in the short center, 89.4 in the intermediate center, 92.5 in the deep center. Um, he caught about, let's see here, just guesstimating here, doing quick math in my head. He caught about 70% of the passes thrown his way when working in the middle of the field um, and picked up a lot of yards. He was a, can really stretch the field down the, in the middle, uh, had a large or had a lot, um, had a high amount of yards after the catch when working in the center of the field in the short center 
Um, he averaged point or 5.3 yards, which was the, you know, the third highest that he had um, outside of, you know, anything behind the line uh, in, in the center, working that short center of the field. He's one of the guys that really stood out when I did a quick look for him for the Shrine game. And he's one that I'm going to be watching to see what he can do in one-on-ones uh, during the week of practice. Yeah. I'm so glad that you have the opportunity to, to get credentials. So you can watch those practices and kind of get a, a little bit uh, behind the scenes there. Uh, Cause the rest of us uh, here, plebes, the, the muggles of the NFL scouting world, if you're not in, in attendance there, you don't get that. You get to watch the game and that's pretty much it. So I'm, I'm glad for you to, to be able to watch those practice reps and really get a better idea of who these players are. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. What about Theo Johnson from Penn state and Jaheim bell from Florida state? Uh, Eric, you're going to have to take the reins on this one because I don't even know these names yet. Well, you're going to want to learn Theo Johnson. Okay. He's, he's going to be a guy that he's going to be rising up. And Jaheim Bell, he is he's another one of those guys, not a blocker. Um, Jim Nagy actually had a did a podcast with the athletic guys, with Dane Brugler, and I, can't, I can never remember the other guy's name. And he fought outside as that Jaheim Bell – He's not a tight end. He is a big receiver. That is the mm-hmm. only way you need to look at. You should be looking at him because that is like he can block fine when he's blocking a corner, but anything other than a corner or a safety, a defensive back, um, it's it's a no go for him. He can he's a versatile weapon. He's one of those types. Um, maybe late day two, early day three, um, if he if you manage to get lucky and he falls that far um, with him, and then Theo Johnson, he's a guy that there's a chance that he might be the second or third ten, tight end drafted. Like, wow. Okay. Dude, dude is, he, he's good. Um, a lot of development that needs to be done, but he's got all the athletic traits and tools that you want to work with and, and develop for tight ends. And for a position that takes two, three, even into year four for them to mm-hmm. develop, like he's young, has those traits. You can waste, you can use, not waste the time, but you can use that time to develop him over that rookie contract. Yeah, a tight end position is one of the hardest to actually develop at the NFL level because you got to not only understand uh, the blocking scheme because you're a part of the inline portion of the run game and even sometimes in pass protection, but also the route concepts, understanding where the football is supposed to be going on every particular play. Uh, tight end is so hard. It's one of the hardest in terms of offensive uh, development. And it's right behind quarterback in my in my estimation. Like you have to know the entire playbook and also work in conjunction with the receiver set and the, the offensive line. So that's an interesting name. I'm going to take a look at him uh, probably here this weekend. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here saying, great show tonight. Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos, go Mike, go Ronk. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody here on a wonderful Friday evening for joining us. Eric, uh, we've got a couple of questions here. I'm not sure how much further you want to go. I do want to pivot quickly to the defensive side of the football here because you have been adamant here recently, pretty much all season long, about this Denver Broncos pass rush and the defensive line in, in particular. Uh, there's a guy in uh, – that's going to be in Dallas for the Shrine game this season, uh, played his college football at the University of Miami. His name is Leonard Taylor. He's a guy that can be a disruptive player along the interior defensive line. They played him a lot at Miami in terms of being a nose tackle, 0-1-2 technique. I want your thoughts on this guy. I watched him. There's a lot to like here, but what is his best fit at the NFL level? And he's is he a guy that can help bolster the pass rush for this Broncos team? So, yeah, he was definitely misused at Miami, which really hurt his production. He's not a nose tackle. He's not a guy that's going to be playing zero, one, one or 2 techniques. Um, 
but he's a three to five technique. He, he can play that three, the four, four I five technique. He can work mm-hmm. a little bit farther out. He can shoot gaps. He can cause disruption at the NFL level. Now, there are times that he ended up on the field a little bit too often, which was a big issue that I had with both Mike Purcell and Jonathan Harris this last year. But part of me thinks that uh, with Leonard Taylor, it's hard to say how much of that was him or bad technique or playing off balance or to compare to him just dealing with double teams playing out of position. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely still need development for him. Uh, there are, I, I think it's a combination of both because there are times that he does play with bounce with poor balance, with poor bend, playing a little yeah. bit upright, allowing defender mm-hmm. line blockers into his chest to drive him back. Um, definitely some issues with that, but he's a guy that, depending on how he tests, he might crack round one. I think he's more likely to be, you know, like 33 to 50, you know, one of those earlier day two, uh, earlier round two picks. Um, depending on how he tests athletically, because he's the guy that the traits are there on tape, but the way he was used makes it a little bit more difficult to fully evaluate what he can do at the NFL level or could bring to the at the NFL level. Right. You were, you were talking a little bit about just being misused and miscast and kind of uh, playing with the. I thought it was bad pad level. There were some issues with him kind of standing up and, and more shooting gaps and, and just trying to get skinny going through through the A-gaps. And he's got decent length. Like when he shows and gives the push-pull, he's got great upper body strength. He can push a guy away and then shuck him to either side. But you don't see that refined hand technique with him, man. That was a big issue that I had with him. Is that something that's – is that like a coachable thing or is that just a, like a play style with him that might not be something that he can work through at the NFL level? Because without using your length, without using the ability to shut those blockers off at a consistent level, you're just going to get bullied as a run defender against these bigger and stronger guards and centers across the NFL landscape. Yeah. So hand technique is something that is definitely coachable. And what, what coaches have been doing for years, like probably back to before I was born, um, can't say for sure for certain on that one though, is they tell they bring in martial martial artists to you know for mm-hmm. like a one time thing and or recommend them take martial arts art t- take martial arts because the hand technique and the hand discipline and stuff like that that you're taught in martial arts can be directly translatable onto the football field with keeping opponents' hands off of your body. Um, multiple edge rushers, defensive linemen have talked about it over the years, even and we're starting to see it move even into being taught to receivers and cornerbacks when it comes to playing press and, you know, hand fighting throughout your routes. So it is coachable. It is something that he can learn. The question is, is can he take it? Can he, can he, can he learn what needs to be taught, what he needs to Mm -hmm. be taught and actually, you know, apply that on the football field. There are a lot of guys that I've seen over the years that they, they know what they need to do. They just, when it gets to under the football field, they either revert to bad habits or they don't remember what they're being taught. It just kind of slays them to the pressure of the game and they just don't execute out there on the field. So right. it can be taught, but whether he can apply it on the football field, well, hopefully we'll get some answers of that during the Shrine Week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I, just quickly, one last thing on him. Uh, we, we Obviously, we watched him play a lot of nose, and he primarily played nose for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, at the NFL level, is that something that he could do in like a sub package where he can utilize that that good first step in getting skinny to really kind of collapse the pocket? Are you specifically lining him up as that three technique, the four-eye technique, maybe even a, a five technique uh, face up against a tackle? 
It, it just depends on down and distance. I mean, early on in his career, he's going to be a little bit limited because probably to a pass rush situation only, something that can allow him to shoot gaps a little bit, you know, third and longs probably as he develops other aspects because in defensive linemen, they're one of the ones that take the longest to mm-hmm. adapt and grow into the NFL. And so, yeah, I mean, he can, he, he can, you know, have an impact that way, but probably going to be a little bit limited as a rookie, which is very commonplace with defensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, Eric, we're right about at our one hour time limit tonight. We also got to get out of here here in just a couple of minutes. Is it all right if I ask you about a couple of these edge rushers here uh, at, at the Shrine game? You want to get into that really quick or do we need to get out of here? I think with the time that it is, you know, being 10 after seven mountain time, and then we got to get out of here, you know, open up Facebook more for content because there is an issue when it comes to publishing content on Facebook and us streaming on Facebook. So uh, I think it's time that we got to get out of here. But I do have one question. I don't not. Who do you think will win? Who do you want to win? Who do you want the Super Bowl matchup to be? Oh, man, this is this is fun, because as much as I don't want to see the Kansas City Chiefs go to the Super Bowl yet again, this team is a team of destiny, dude. They're they're very well coached. Patrick Mahomes just elevates his play in the playoffs to a level that I don't even think Tom Brady can compare to. And Tom Brady, Tom Brady is, in my estimation, the greatest quarterback of all time. It, like it, it doesn't matter. But what Mahomes is able to do, he finds a way to make those plays. And well, I like I love and appreciate what Lamar Jackson has done, and he's grown tremat- like tremendously as as a passer. It, it all comes down to can you stop Mahomes? This Ravens defense is they're fun to watch. They swarm to the football. They are very aggressive, but Mahomes is just a different animal, man. So I do think that the, the Chiefs are unfortunately going to go to the Super Bowl again. They're going to pull off. That's not what I asked. Who do you want in the Super Bowl? Who do I want in the Super Bowl? I want I want Baltimore to go, and I want the Lions to go. I, I want yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I want Baltimore and, the, and Detroit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the more entertaining game between the two, if you if I had to choose uh, between Kansas City or Baltimore and the Lions, I want the Lions to go. Like I, I, I love Kyle Shanahan, love Christian McCaffrey, love all the Broncos connections there in San Francisco. I want the Lions to go. I, I want that fan base to have something good in their life, and getting to the Super Bowl for the first time ever would be tremendous for them. I think the more entertaining game though would be the Chiefs and the Lions rather than the. The Ravens and the Lions, or what do you think on that? I think the Lions and Ravens would be very entertaining. I think I it's mean, going the, to be very the Ravens running the Ravens running game against the Lions running deep run defense that is quite well. I mean, they sell out to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see how Lamar Lamar if Lamar Jacks could really put to rest about his ability as a passer by doing that because man, he is still being undersold for how much improvement he has made as mm-hmm. a pass rusher or as a pocket passer this year, mm-hmm. this year he was the best quarterback when not when from against four man rushes when pressured or not, it didn't matter. He was the best quarterback in the pocket against mm-hmm. four man rushes. Mm-hmm. And I think against five man rushes as well. Like he's he definitely a lot of improvement there. Yeah, absolutely, man. He is, he's going to win the MVP this year as much as I'd love to, you know, shout out Josh Allen or even Mahomes, but Lamar Jackson this year was just tremendous. The, the work that he was able to do, like you said, winning from the pocket, winning with his legs, just dictating the flow of that, that Baltimore Ravens offense, and then not missing a beat when Mark Andrews missed a whole bunch of time. Like he got that injury earlier in the season and Isaiah likely, man, that dude stepped up in a tremendous way. He's been one of the more reliable pass catching options for that Ravens offense. And Lamar Jackson did not miss a beat just continuously 
uh, targeting Isaiah Likely. That offense is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, that defense is so much fun too. But man, Ben Johnson, I, I want the Lions to win the Super Bowl. I think that they're, they're probably, I don't even know if they're going to go. I want them to go. I want them to win it all. I want this for the, the Detroit Lions fans uh, and, and NFL fans across the country. So that's that's where I kind of uh, land on that. Eric, if you had to give a prediction on who wins the Super Bowl this year, who do you think it is? The Ravens. I'm 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 right there with you. This team is a, they're the team of destiny. They really are. This, this season was, yeah, me too, me too. Which would be really fun for for you, really fun for everybody in the NFL world. Really good for Lamar Jackson to take that next step as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But with that, guys, thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Friday evening. Thank you for sticking with us as we got a late start today. Obviously, uh, sticking around with us as we continue to run a little bit late. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, we have Scott behind the scenes running the ones and twos helping us out tonight. Thank you, Scott, for joining us at Scout Kennedy. Also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. That is where you guys uh, can get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, uh, film breakdowns, opinion articles, all of our draft content that's going to be coming here over the next couple of months. You can find that all at Mile High Huddle and on milehighhuddle.com. Uh, Facebook users go to Mile High Huddle, uh, facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. Keep the conversation flowing over there as well. And guys, if you guys, it does not matter if you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast content, any of your digital content, make sure you subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video and article you guys see. And if you love it, please share it and get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, before we get out of here, buddy, any last words? Yeah, have a good weekend. Enjoy the championship games. We will be back next week talking about the Senior Bowl a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just have a good weekend. Stay safe. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, be safe. Take care. You all have a great rest of your weekend. And with that, guys, we say good evening here on a Friday evening. We will see you guys same time, same place next weekend. As always, go Broncos. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.